back on deck and i'm back welcome to the bonus track of what will be the most highly anticipated podcast featuring the coolest guy you'll ever know that's right I had a little extra time to kill and wanted to rant a little, as I am want to do from time to time. And I wanted to give you a heads up on the upcoming episode 4, where I bring it home just a little bit, just to shake things up. I'm kind of digging this tune a little bit, so I'm going to let it go to the end. Booyah! Well, like I said, welcome to the bonus track, the bonus rant track, folks. Um, I just wanted to get a few things off my chest, say a few things, if you can uh, believe that I'm capable of saying only a few things, okay? Just remember, I'm a heavy tipper, okay? So here we are, folks. Um, I am going to do what I will call the Facebook report, okay? This is where I run through a couple of posts, one or two posts on the stories of the day on the book of face. Now, <laughs> I, I've had one or two people, you know, tell me, hey, old guy, just say Facebook, okay? Yeah, 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 yeah. I get it, okay? Look it. When first book first came out onto the social media scene, it was kind of the realization of the dream of MySpace, okay? If, you know, for you old people out there that remember MySpace. This was uh, an internet program where people could set up pages and they could communicate with people all over the place and share music and rainbows and unicorns and sparkles and all that happy horse shit, okay? Um, and when Facebook came out on the scene, it was a, it was a lot like that. You could have conversations, post links to music, videos, uh, share photographs, and of course, you could share all the rainbows and unicorns and sparkles and dreams. No one really imagined that the American people would be discussing and debating politics and the social issues we face as a country on Facebook. I mean, I'm sure somebody thought, well, you know, people will talk about stuff like that, but I, I don't think that they thought that it was going to blow up like it did. Because Facebook is, and other social media programs have come out that are even worse, okay? But anyway, so this was a time that kind of paved the way to all sorts of media and information sharing um, as it relates to the state of the union and news of the day, right? And what we found out was that these things uh, were profoundly important to millions of people in America and throughout the world. Right, and what we also learned was this: no longer did like cable news networks and the big three, uh, ABC, NBC, CBS, no longer did they have a monopoly on the information that people could access or be exposed to. 
And we also learned that the government could no longer spin and lie and control the information that people could have access to in order to determine the veracity of what it is that the government was saying about, uh, you know, the complete spectrum of issues that we faced at the time, you know. No longer could they spin, lie, and control. Or could they? That's the question. Yeah, I think we all know the answer to that. Anyway, the Internet just kind of exploded, okay, with this Facebook. And Facebook became the center, or one of the centers, uh, as you'll see, one of the centers of political discussion and debate. And, of course, you know, it gave rise to the keyboard warriors facing off against each other in verbal mortal combat about everything from Benghazi to the political implications of the flavors of ice cream Joe Biden likes to slobber on before fucking up his withdrawal from Afghanistan. Okay? And rainbows, unicorns, and sparkles sort of became the fringe, weird-ass kind of shit that people would cringe from. Okay? I mean, I do. All right? Most notably, during the COVID issue, all right, big tech media giants like Facebook and others, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, began to outright censor speech on its platform. And there was a lot of truth about COVID in particular that got removed from social media, uh, specifically on Facebook. Okay? People were removed from that platform. They were censored. They were fact-checked. That, that became a thing, fact-checking. Yeah, that, that's, yeah that's, uh, that's a joke. Um, so um, Facebook, from my perspective, had transformed from being a unifier to, in a lot of ways, a divider, okay? <clears throat> and that's just, that's just with the, the political side of things. I mean, Facebook is still, fundamentally, I think Facebook is still a cool thing, okay? It's a good way to catch up with people, uh, share photographs, tell your story, things like that. I use it all the time, okay? The Twitterverse is not something that I've, you know, I, I've said that, look, I, I probably need to get on it, Okay, uh, but I am not uh, cheerfully going into that into that swamp. Okay, um, so anyway, so it became kind of a a, a divider in a lot of ways. Pe- people were were sparring on Facebook about political issues, and it became huge. Um, and the more that it did, um, we found that with the government's approval and at the government's urging the more it pissed everyone off because people of a certain political association or leaning were banned and outright removed for commenting on the absolute truth about a whole host of things that did not bode well or look good for the other political party. Now, I don't know exactly when this transformation happened, but at some point, Facebook gave rise to its twin brother. Now, this is just me now. This is is just me. All right. This is why this is why I call Facebook the book of face. Uh, Facebook uh, has an evil twin brother. Okay, and it's called the book of face. Okay, Um, and the book of face is is not necessarily, you know, a completely evil thing. It's kind of a twisted thing. Right. And I use it. I use that name for it for all sorts of, you know, things that I do on on Facebook. Um, but anyway, it's just like Starbucks, right? So Starbucks took the country by storm 
for its flavorful coffees, even at its inflated prices. Um, but it also provided a place where people could sit and drink coffee while working on their laptops or meeting with their friends or whatever the hell it is that they did. And then the dark side of Starbucks, the Sith of coffee beans, okay, began appearing, okay? Um, that's when Starbucks had some, you know, weighed in on political issues and social issues and things like that that were kind of adverse to what a lot of people thought. Um, you know, like when they went after legal gun owners and carriers and kicked them out, um, when it took adverse stances to, you know, what was going on in Iraq and Afghanistan and, and you know, with the troops uh, in the Middle East in general, when it started having instances of workers refusing police officers, uh, you know, service, and in some cases ruining their orders on purpose, the Starbucks Sith Lord twin became the pervasive brand. Okay, from my from my little foxhole here. Okay, um, and to you know, from my perspective, you know, only bougie, self righteous leftists are associated with Starbucks anymore now, and I refer to it now as Buck Stars. Okay, so that's why I invert the names of these social media platforms, right? Um, and specifically with the book of Face. You know, it's sort of become the arbiter uh, of what's true and what's not. You know, Twitter's done the same thing. Instagram, I think, has been accused of doing this. But uh, interestingly enough, it still allows people like Sean Hannity, Liz Wheeler, Fox News uh, to post on the platform. Although uh, Liz Wheeler has actually been fact-checked numerous times and uh, even censored on Facebook. And other social media. Others have as well. And overwhelmingly, the regular user has been fact-checked by fact-checkers who are really anything but purveyors of facts. Uh, regular users are overwhelmingly banned and censored these days, okay? Especially if they are of a particular political bent, okay? The community standards have been uh, arbitrarily applied uh, disproportionately to conservatives and Republicans and, and, and actually the regular guy out there who has a perspective and an opinion uh, based on actual facts that the government and Facebook does not agree with, okay? Um, all the platforms are doing this now, okay? So Facebook is the book of face, okay? Uh, Instagram, I call getchagram, okay? YouTube is the tube of you, Twitter, um, like I said, I'm not on Twitter, but I'm considering it. Um, I don't have, I, I don't really have a name for Twitter. I don't know, maybe something like the bird of bullshit. I don't know. <clears throat> so anyway, so that's why I say the book of face when referring to the platform. Okay, so stories and rants, folks. Stories and rants, and um, and a little preview uh, to the next episode. Right. Uh, but first, let's get pissed off. So you may have seen this story circulating on uh, social media. Um, and of course, the book of face. The headline is Lieutenant Colonel is relieved of duty after calling out senior leaders about Afghanistan. Marine Lieutenant Colonel Stuart Scheller posted on the Facebook's evil twin in the roughly five minute video on the tube of you. 
the officer ripped into military leaders after the ISIS attack that left 13 dead Americans and more than 100 dead Afghanis. In the social news media outlet, Red State Observer, it was reported that Scheller had upbraided the military leadership over the way the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan has been carried out and called on them to take ownership for the botched withdrawal over the last couple of weeks. Now, I know, as most of you know that I know, that I'm right about a lot of things, okay? Uh, I'm certainly not in the Rush Limbaugh category, but I am right about a lot of damn things. And I was right about this. So if you remember in episode two, segment two, I asked the very same questions that Scheller's asking in this video. Um, and I'll tell you, most soldiers and Marines, if not all, feel the same way. I, I, would, I would guess, okay, I don't know for a fact, but I, I would guess that most soldiers and Marines probably feel pretty pissed off about the whole thing right now. And, and they've probably asked the same question I and Scheller have asked, okay? So the report goes on. It says, Scheller's quoted as saying, uh, did any of you throw your rank on the table and say, hey, that's a bad idea to evacuate Bagram Airfield, you know, a strategic air base before we evacuate everyone? Did anyone do that? Did anyone raise their hands and say, we've completely messed this up? Um, so this lieutenant colonel guy was calling for accountability in our leadership in the wake of dead Marines, soldiers, and, and corpsmen. And instead of taking criticism and reflecting on their role in this complete shit show of a withdrawal that saw the deaths of 13 Americans, you know, uh, taking stock of the criticism in the face of overwhelming evidence that, you know, this was screwed up, you know, kind of like they teach us to do in our evaluations and as, as NCOs, and instead of adjusting your statements to the American people, uh, hopefully being a little, just a little, remorseful over what's happened and taking a bit of responsibility for how things played out. Instead, uh, they shit-canned this guy. They shit-canned the half-bird. And, and here's the irony of this dismissal from this post of his. Uh, they relieved him of duty for cause based on lack of trust and confidence. You cannot make this shit up, folks. If you're still in Afghanistan right now, okay, and, and there are hundreds, reportedly there are hundreds of American citizens that are still stuck over there, not to mention the Afghani SIVs. But if you're still in Afghanistan right now, do you think you have any confidence that the military operation or the State Department can get you out before you're killed? I mean, I'm just saying, out of all the people involved in this withdrawal to include the president that should be held to account and fired. The only one who's been fired is a half bird from nowhere USA who's had the audacity to post a video about this because he knows how this goes. He knows how this looks and how it feels and how wrong it is. Now, the video, uh, and I haven't seen the video, but this video that was posted by an officer, okay, this lieutenant colonel, really gives us a glimpse into the frustration and dissent within the ranks across the board, okay? According to the report, he said that he was willing to risk severe sanctions for speaking out if it brings further attention to the questions he raised about military leadership. He's further quoted as saying, I think what you believe 
I think what you believe in can only be defined by what you're willing to risk. I have the, high, uh, the moral high ground to demand the same honesty, integrity, and accountability from my senior leaders. Well, how about that? They are out there, people. There are officers who, who are willing to put their dick in the dirt and speak their mind from a place of truth. They are out there. Now, you know the reason he got canned wasn't just because he criticized military leadership, okay? And specifically, uh, if I'm reading the report right, I think he criticized Lloyd Austin and Mark Milley, uh, General Mark Milley and Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin. But he, di- he didn't get canned just because he criticized the leadership there, not to mention the president, okay, the commander-in-chief. Um, he got tossed because it was public. I mean, that's a fact. Okay, it was a video. It's a record that gives leadership not one, but two black eyes. And the big green weenie don't like that. Okay, can you imagine the level of frustration and anger one has to have, uh, you know, has to be feeling when a lieutenant colonel gets on YouTube and throws his ass on the line to call for accountability because he knows that otherwise no one will be held to account i mean do you get do you, i mean this this is a level of frustration and anger that that i haven't seen okay and i i've seen a little bit of the video i haven't seen the whole video um looking at a little bit of this video when this guy talks he's he's cool he's calm okay he's just asking the questions okay but he's i mean you really had to have been PO'd about this whole thing to go on video on the tube of you to call out the leadership, right? I mean, you got to understand, folks, that's a huge problem in the military, okay? Especially these days, okay? Soldiers, Marines, I mean, shit, probably squids and chair force and space balls. Um, I, I would believe that they all have this kind of problem, right? They can't criticize, okay? They can't call out the hypocrisy when they see it, okay? They can't call for accountability when leadership's in dire fucking need of it, all right? Not publicly, okay? When you do, it's, it, you're putting your ass on the line, okay? And it comes from a place of truth, and it comes from a place of, of caring so much that you're willing to put your ass on the line and say what needs to be said, okay? Um, and that's what this guy's done. Um, but you can't, you know, these, like I said, in this day and age, you can't do it publicly. Not for such a painfully public failure and the death of American soldiers. Unless, of course, you know, you want to be drummed out of the military. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying service members need to get on YouTube and start calling out leaders for, you know, for any real or perceived slight or mistake or anything like that. Okay. But what I am saying is slights and perceived injustices and mistakes don't usually end up with the deaths of 13 Americans either, okay? I think perhaps this is what the people needed to see and needed to hear from someone in the military. Because if they hadn't, then all leadership might be called into question and held in disgust, you see? With regard to Afghanistan, it's, it's, you know, I guess the message would be, look, it's not all officers who value their careers more than doing what's right. And it, it, at this time, it's just two of them. Okay? I mean, that's, that's basically what the message is. 
And meanwhile, back at the ranch, the Biden administration is still lauding its performance in what they are hailing as the greatest airlift in history. Jen Psaki, that, that lying twister of truth. I don't know how that woman sleeps at night. Um, but she had this to say when asked if Biden regrets the manner in which this withdrawal was conducted. She says, well, first I would say that the men and women who gave their lives, I, I, I got to stop there. I, I have to say this. We honor those troops who died there in Kabul at the hands of the Taliban and ISIS. But the way in which this withdrawal was treated so indifferently and so cavalierly, those troops' lives, from my, you know, from my perspective, those troops' lives weren't given as much as they were taken, stolen by ISIS and the Taliban and, and that allows ISIS to operate, stolen by this administration's incompetence. And you remember when I said, time will tell, when Biden said we achieved our primary mission, which was to ensure Afghanistan could not be a haven for terrorists like Al-Qaeda and ISIS to plan terrorist attacks on us? Yeah. How's that looking, Joe? You got anything for, uh, you got anything for that, Jen? But anyway, so she continued. And the president attended, as you noted yesterday, to honor their service and honor their sacrifice. Yeah, he's so in tune with the sacrifice our troops made that he literally looks at his watch while the ceremony's taking place. And I'm like, you got fucking somewhere to be, Joe? I mean, is there, is there a bigger name on the schedule today? Anyway, anyway, she, she says the president attended uh, to honor their service and honor their sacrifice and had time to meet with the number of the family members yesterday. That doesn't take the place of all the progress and all the work that has been done to evacuate the people. That doesn't take the place of all the progress. You call this progress? We've left hundreds behind. And that's progress? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't take the place of the greatest airlift in history now, does it, Jen? Accountability. Every NCO, every soldier worth their salt knows that they have it. They must have it. The good with the bad. And if it's bad, unfuck it and crack on. These guys? In this administration? Yeah. No such honor. Not a sliver of accountability. I mean, I don't care what Joe says about being fundamentally accountable for everything that's happened up to this point. When he says that, he goes on to try to point the finger at other people, to include the last administration. Yeah, accountability. You won't ever see it, ever. Now look, our guys knew that one day they may die in the noble cause of the American people. And for this mission, they conducted themselves with strength and honor. And they gave their lives to the cause. But I can't help but think that it wasn't just ISIS or the Taliban that took their lives in this. You know what I mean? During this scramble to get out of Afghanistan to meet a deadline that was born of one man's vanity. I can't help but think that their lives were taken by the very men who were supposed to ensure 
that they wouldn't have to die. And those men know who they are. And what's more, the American people know who they are. And that's all I got to say about that. So I'm going to take a quick break and um, I'm going to um, insert some pre recorded uh, levity or something uh, in here. I'm going to go take a break. And, uh, and I'll be right back. I'm back. So, moving on from that issue uh, and moving into what I would like to do uh, or what I would like to share with you is uh, kind of a sneak listen into episode four. Episode four uh, here at The Last Stand is going to be about autism and autistic kids and, uh, you know, the condition of being autistic. Um, I, I, my 13 year old boy, uh, is autistic and I don't think that that's, I mean, I mean, I haven't seen it myself on social media. Uh, it's far and few between when you see something, you know, that mentions autism. Um, but I'd like to get into autism and share maybe a couple of adventures and stories, uh, that I've had with Junior. He's been 
the reason for profound changes in my life. I like sharing stories about my boy. So, uh, so I hope you'll tune in for episode four. And uh, here's just a sneak peek at, uh, at, at what episode four is going to be about. Junior wears his heart on his sleeve, and it is a good and loving heart. But he doesn't recognize that there are dangers in the world. The world is a place that he's aware of, and he interacts with it. He receives what the world throws at him and gives back what he does honestly and with genuine effort. And he does all this from a place that I call the room of his mind. And he understands more than we know. He loves with no condition. He trusts completely. And his mother is the center of his universe. And he is the center of mine. March 4th, 2015. Yesterday. Junior is my son. He's autistic. So for instance, when something feels good or hurts, he doesn't always say the words. You have to know how he's using what it is that he says or does when determining these things. My son had tubes in his ears. The kind of tubes that are supposed to come out on their own. So when his left ear started bleeding and his mother was finding blood clots in the canal, as you can imagine, we were worried. Michelle did what every mother would and went to a doctor and had a surgery scheduled. They scheduled it for more than 26 days into March, and we were still in February. I had big problems with that, but that's another story, and in the end, we got a closer date. Yesterday. Yesterday, Junior went into surgery and had that ear taken care of. When he finally awoke, still in outer space from anesthesia, I watched him look around, bewildered, and it seemed as though he was thinking, I was in the big room playing and then I don't remember anything. As this thought seemed to take shape in his mind, his blue little boy eyes began to tear up, and his bottom lip began to stick out, and I heard the sharp inhaling of breath that signaled to me that my boy was crying. He didn't wail, he didn't scream or holler. He didn't make a sound save one, the tiniest squeak of a single child's moan. The tears, large tears, falling down his cheeks, on his sad little face, as though his heart had been broken, burned into my mind forever. And I will never forget that moment. Hearing or seeing other children cry is a very different thing from seeing your own. While sympathetic or empathetic to another child's distress, watching your own child cry evokes a feeling that can be articulated, but where words will always fail you at the time. Every time. I remained strong and reassured him in that confident way that only fathers of boys can do. When a boy looks at his father, daddies are soldiers, cowboys, firemen, and warriors. They could be presidents. They're larger than life. And if daddy says it's going to be okay, then things always get better. Now, Junior rarely 
looks anyone in the eyes, but he looks at me. Those ice blue eyes that flash with silent tears as he understands, looking into my eyes, looking right at me. When we got him home, he slept. And a couple times he would wake again, still dazed by the day as much as the drugs. I sat down next to him as he struggled to stay awake, but resting his head on my leg when he succumbed to his dreaming. As he fell into another heavy sleep, he called out in that seven-year-old, very tired, little boy voice to me, Daddy, and then reached with his left arm, found my hand, and squeezed, drifting away again. What he dreams, I can only imagine, but for a few minutes, he continued to squeeze my hand, and I felt only what I imagine other fathers feel in that kind of moment, where all the questions and all the doubt fade away, and all that is left is my little boy, my son, and me. Everything is okay. Everything is all right. And for a little while, we slept soundly. <laughs>